everyone and welcome back to the Indivisible podcast, uh, another special episode where we are going to discuss our favourite films coming out this year or what's left of this year. Somehow it's creeping up to June already, which is kind of crazy, but um, still a lot of good releases yet to come, especially in the UK, where it seems that pretty much anyone that's made a film has forgotten that this this exists. Um, we're basically getting every film about six months later than everywhere else. But, you know, I'm definitely not annoyed about that or anything like that. No, no spite here. I am George White, editor of Indivisible. And today I'm joined by Natasha, who is our podcast host. All right. <laughs> and okay, Jamie, hello, hello. <laughs> Jamie, regular contributor. Hello, thanks for having me on again. Thank you for joining me. It uh, seems like forever since the Oscars nominations podcast which i'd like to point out was a storming hit in terms of our predictions we basically just wrote the entire script um on that one i'd like to say um incredible so success you, rate so you predicted the that they would try to award best actor at the end yeah weirdly we said that they'd <laughs> mess up the formula for no reason whatsoever um, for this dramatic end that never came we said exactly that no, that was that was probably the one bit that nobody saw coming and hopefully that won't continue in the future yeah but i mean the good thing is that now we kind of know that it's not um it's not rigged yeah, right? that is true it's... <laughs> unless it's like a double bluff and, uh, <laughs> they yeah everyone was thinking oh it's at the end it must be uh must be Chandler Bozeman and then you know it's that's for your screenplay George that's yes. for your screenplay your future screenplay the rigged Oscars <laughs> oh, a better name. Just for you know, legal purposes, we do not think the Oscars is rigged. Just thought I'd put that disclaimer <laughs> out there before the lawsuit's coming. So we're going to get a kick off and finally actually talk about films that are coming out this year. And um, Jamie, I think we'll start with you because you've, you've kind of come up with four, which is more effort than either Natasha or I put in. Um, Natasha, could only be bothered with two but you know i'm not judging um i'll manage three so not to fight what <laughs> i came up with four okay, okay well, but we have fine. overlap we have overlap okay that I makes would... sense yes yes so jamie yeah you, we'll start with you because i think we've got a few on there that probably well i think natasha and i haven't even heard of um so it'd be interesting to see what your kind of um take on these is but what's the film that you're most looking forward to I think the one I'm most looking forward to is Censor, which is a British film, um, and it's about the sort of moral panic of video nasties in the 1980s, um, where basically people were cutting loads of footage out of horror movies and banning them outright, um, and it it's, takes place at sort of a censorship office. Um, follows this woman that's you know, cutting all these the most horrible scenes out of all these films um, and I don't really know a lot about it, I think a lot of the discussion around the film has been around the context in which it takes place um, but I think what's supposed to happen is she ends up seeing something in one of these films that may be linked to a real life crime of some sort um, and I think from there it's supposed to go down some very weird and surreal avenues um so i'm really looking forward to seeing that i think it's one of those where i 
don't know an awful lot about it, but I think it sounds interesting enough to uh, really surprise a lot of people, hopefully. So. Yeah, yeah, I think out of the list that you gave, I think that's that's looked like the most interesting one. And I think the second one was um, Pebbles, I think. That sounded quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, Pebbles is um, sorry. another one. Unless you wanted to chip in about Sensor, George. Yeah, I was just saying that that's, a, that's one that's kind of um, crept up out of nowhere and then all of a sudden it's getting quite a bit of publicity really i saw it was in the latest issue of empire magazine it's uh it's featured on the indivisible website you can check that out now um and yeah it, it does seem like one that is it's kind of pointing above its weight at the moment which is good to see and um like i say it looks suitably weird but also with a kind of interesting message that hasn't been done before so yeah, it'd be definitely interesting to see what, what happens there george will you watch it though i think it's horror <laughs> It is horror, yes. Mm. Um, no, I'm, I'm, maybe. How about that? Maybe. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's, I mean, it depends what else is out in the cinema. You know. if, uh, if that's the best thing on the menu, then I'll give it a go. I've, I'm getting better at horror. It's still not my favourite. It's, it's probably my least favourite, to be honest. Um, but I can appreciate it as, a, as an art form. Um, I just don't like being scared, okay? Woman in black haunted 14 year old <laughs> me for too long. I'll never recall. Mm -hmm, yes. Sorry, sorry, Jamie, you were talking about pebbles. Oh, that's no, okay. It's you're, yeah, you're giving me memories of seeing Woman in Black in GCSE English and everyone scoring. freaking out. Yes, absolutely <laughs> scarring. Oh my god. <laughs> so both of you were scared. Wait, is the Daniel Radcliffe one, right? Is that the one? The yes, woman it like, is. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, I scared easy back in the day. I'm, I'm a little bit better now. <laughs> but uh, I managed to watch um, Evil Dead, the first one. So, you know, I'm basically a horror geek at this point. Um, I need to watch the second one, though. So that's a really good film. But um, I will say that the the prosthetics and stuff, not quite the same level as they are now. In yeah. that film, but yes, yeah, it's an atmospheric film, and hopefully, Evil Dead 2 will come out in cinemas. I definitely will not watch a horror at home. That's that's it, that's just the wall. Uh, too creepy. Apart from Get Out, which I did watch at home and really enjoyed, but that's not the scariest horror, if I'm being honest. Um, it's more of a thriller esque horror, I think. Anyway, Pebbles, yes. Um, <laughs> we will finally give you the floor, Jamie, to chat about this one. Yeah, so this is a completely different film. It's not, as far as I'm aware, not a horror movie in the slightest. Um, this one has been described as a kind of an idiosyncratic road movie. Um, and it's about, I believe, a father and son. Um, and the mother's run away because the father is abusive. Um, and the father's basically gone, right, I'm taking my son and I'm going to find my wife. And I'm going to beat her up again. Um, so they go on this. Look, sounds like it'll be sort of a subversion of that usual road movie formula of meeting all these people and doing all these funny things along the way. Um, because obviously one of the leads sounds like a pretty unpleasant character. Um, 
but it sounds like it'll be a really interesting watch and I've heard apparently there there's no kind of redemption arc for the father he just remains quite nasty but I'm interested to see what this journey plays out for plays out like for the um for the child and how how it's seen through his perspective yeah I was reading um, a review on uh, Variety about the film um, and I think I think uh, it's like slightly over an hour according to the review, right? So I think it gives it that um, I feel like films nowadays perhaps are like not as tight and succinct as they can be I think in terms of the storytelling. So I thought it, was, it sounded very interesting and I think um, I think uh, it was mentioned that the child barely has any dialogue, I think. So it's a lot of like visual um, kind of acting, you know, kind of depending, I think, a lot on the setting and the cinematography to kind of tell the tale. So yeah, and I think the setting also makes it kind of interesting for me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think those two sounded the most interesting of the list. Yeah, and so um, what about you now? What are your favourite films, well, what you hope would be your favourite films from this year, um, what you most look forward to? So mine is like a cheat, right? Because the, the, I think the um, we said that it's going to be films that you're looking forward to, right? But I guess I was looking forward to these films before, <laughs> maybe in 2020, maybe mm. early 2021. So um, maybe I'll talk about the most recent one. So uh, it's this film called The Killing of Two Lovers. Um, I think it just released this week in the US, but I don't know when the UK release date might be. I think it'll probably be later, unless it's like same, right? So um, it's basically about uh, this working class man called David and uh, he and his wife, Nikki, are going through this separation. Um, and then, so the whole idea here is... Um, the impact of that, right, on him, on their children, on their family, right? So uh, it's very, like, I think, compelling look at, like, separation, right? So uh, I think people have compared it to, like, marriage story, but, like, the working class version of marriage story, right? So, um, uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, so, I mean, when you think about separation, right, there's always someone who's, I think, leaning more towards, like, reconciliation and then another person that's leaning more towards like let's end it you know like we're leaning more towards a divorce so you know we kind of see how Nikki and David are really on you know opposite ends of the spectrum right so he wants to reconcile he wants to you know move back home right and kind of you know be reunited with his family you know it's taking a toll on his children um, and she's kind of moved on and she has a has a boyfriend right so I think um a very interesting thing that they kind of you know introduce right uh and i think i think i can say this is not a spoiler but the an interesting thing that's introduced very early on in the film is um david basically standing over her wife his wife and her lover with a gun right um so it's kind of like Chekhov's gun kind of premise where you know um because of the introduction of the gun right the whole film kind of takes on this that sense of tension because we are wondering when would be the moment where he will snap, right? Where, which moment will it be where he can't take enough, like he can't take it anymore, right? Um, you know, and it just kind of feels all too overwhelming and too much for him. So it, it just feels 
um, you know, uh, it's just really devastating film. I think like, you know, from that first image all the way until the end, right? And, and like, uh, you know, what I talked about for Pebbles, right? I think it's a, it's not a very long film. So it's like slightly under, I think, it's like one hour, 15, one hour, 20 minutes-ish, right? Um, and it just feels very economical and very like, you know, succinct in the way the storytelling kind of unfolds. It's really good. Yeah, so I really, I mean, I don't know. The, the films this year have, um, you know, yeah, I've been hit and misses, you know. So I kind of really, really enjoyed this one. So it's been on my, yeah, on my list currently of like really good films from this year. Indie, yeah, indie film. Yeah, and I uh, really enjoyed reading the review on the uh, unnamed website, um, rival website out there. Um, <laughs> which people can find if they Google the review and yeah. your unnamed website, which will remain unnamed. Um, George, you know, like Voldemort, <laughs> right? If you you don't name something, <laughs> you give it more power. <laughs> well, that's my warning. I've got to treat everyone like a rival. Um, no, it is Cultured Vultures. I repeat that again, Cultured Vultures. There you go. Just gave promotion to a rival, but we have to. Um, yeah, but no, I think one of the interesting things that you mentioned a couple of times is that films, you know, these kind of shorter more succinct films, definitely a big one for me. Um, I always find it more, more praiseworthy, I think, when you manage to do an impactful, developed film in an hour and 20, an hour and 30. That's why I love the, the Four trilogy. And that's one of the things that I think really works with Palm Springs is that it just kind of, it gets, gets to the important points and um, still makes them feel fleshed out. And yet it's an hour and a half. I think that's, that's great um and yeah. yeah i do that's one of my main issues with with these kind of um you know big name directors as incredible as their films are you know like um scorsese and tarantino sometimes i personally feel that they're a bit self-indulgent um <laughs> i'm sure i don't want to end their careers with this uh comment i know that <laughs> i know that they're up and commas <laughs> definitely yeah uh, put a lot of uh priority on what we have to say but no that I do think that there's an art to kind of shorter storytelling and um hopefully we see more kind of short films going forward as people's attention spans decline like mine um I think uh, I've got a couple of films that I'm really looking forward to one's not really indie to be honest this you know the French dispatch I think it's got a budget of like 25 million so definitely not <laughs> You know, definitely not um, scraping together pennies for that one. And then, you know, their cast is probably a little bit more established in other films. But I just think that film looks gorgeous. Um, it's just like the most Wes Anderson film ever. Um, I'm all here for it. Um, and it's definitely one that I want to see on a big screen, for sure. Like, yeah, I, I didn't I get the chance to see Grand Budapest Hotel on a big screen. And Aww. I regret that all the time. Love to see that if it ever comes back to cinemas. Um, but yeah, French Dispatch just looks, looks a little bit fun, doesn't it? Yeah, they should really pull quote that quote that you just said, <laughs> they should use it in all their publicity. The most Wes Anderson of films, <laughs> the Wes, <laughs> the most the Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson, <laughs> the Wesest Andersonist of all films. There you go, you can quote that. make sure it's a credit yeah. in the <laughs> 
but no, I think that looks a blast. But um, think of the kind of classic independent sphere. I think the Green Knight is definitely the one for me that's standing out most at the moment, um, just because it looks so weird, but in the best way. Um, I love the A24 films that just take a massive swing at God knows what, like the Swiss Army Man, for example. They just basically give the director, give the, the filmmaking crew a bit of money and just say, you know what, do whatever you want and we'll see what happens at the end of it. And I think that's definitely one of these here. It, it seems to be just a proper vision from the director. Um, and, you know, Dev Patel, again, you just can't get enough of Dev. Absolutely love the man. The fact he was overlooked for his David Copperfield is still baffling to me. I think it was incredible. Um, he just wasn't even mentioned in any of the awards talk. Um, so hopefully it's a bit different this time around, but we'll see how weird it is. It might be too weird for, for the awards ceremonies, but hopefully it's it's picked up yeah. by a bit more of a mainstream audience. Yeah, I think I think I mean the I think David Copperfield was really great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. But I think sometimes there might be this uh, I don't know bias about period films, you know, because um, hmm. diversity casting is still I think a a thing, right? I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, there. I mean, I think, like the favorite, right? Which was, I think, one of the, I mean, the more recent kind of period films that I can kind of recall. There was Oscar nominated, right? You know, um, did you know quite? It was quite a. There was quite a buzz about it in um, that award season, right? And I mean, I think, you know, um, parity wise, right? You know, I don't think. David Copperfield was lacking in any way. Like I think it 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 was a very very good film, uh you know, and the storytelling was so bold and uh innovative, right? I think, um the way he kind of you know, uh like how we kind of flit through David's memories in like the way that uh it was kind of presented, like you know it, it would be like on a projector or something like that. So I thought like the the, it was just very like a uh, very innovative film so I don't know I, I think that there's still kind of some reservations about uh, you know diversity casting when it comes to period films maybe that's why I have no idea yeah why else yeah yeah exactly that's it I can't think of any other reason why it would be overlooked um, I also would like to say that the casting that was perfect throughout it was it was incredible that was I think my second favorite film of 2020 it came out january 2020 here um that and portrait of a lady on fire just next level but hey ho neither neither really picked up anything major um but that's how it is isn't it um yeah i had a so, question actually for you guys yeah, about sure. is related to like a24 right mm. so like i mean uh a24 and indie right but i feel like you know the films gain so much traction that do they still count as indie you know, like, uh, A24 has become such a brand in of itself, right? Uh, you know, and I think all the films that are associated with it, with it become really, really big, kind of, you know? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, they've definitely got the marketing, um, bigger marketing potential than a lot of indie films, haven't they? They've already got an established brand, like you say. Um, I think that's probably more what, yeah, makes it, a bit more mainstream in that sense is the fact that they can get their films out there. I mean, you know, the Green Knight blew up on Twitter, the, the latest trailer, and a lot of indie films yeah. don't have that kind of traction. But I think they're still they're still incredibly innovative. They make the most of every penny. Um, 
you know, they're not working with big blockbuster budgets. Um, so I think, yes, they, they have a head start, but I'd still say they, they count in that sphere. Um, what about you, Jamie? What, what, what's your kind of stance on A24? Yeah, I think the main thing is they've got that indie mentality at heart. Like you mentioned earlier, they are just handing the keys to directors and they're all fairly low budget. Um, but the, yeah, the name and the brand has become renowned and that's definitely elevated them. And you, you just see that logo at the start of the trailer and you, you, know, you start paying attention. Um, but that, yeah, there is that, that they are doing, still doing relatively small films. Uncut Gems, for example, obviously had big stars in it. Um, but that felt very minimalist and mm. kind of, you know, in, by no means a blockbuster. So I think, yeah, they, they'll probably start to make bigger and flashier films. I think The Green Knight might be a step in that direction with it being kind of fantasy based but i think they'll always have that kind of keep it small and minimalist approach yeah i think i have to agree there um so moving on to kind of honorable mentions if you like um now you've still got a couple left on your list jamie for what you're looking forward to this year what what are those films and why are they kind of uh, anticipated for you so I'll start with Ongaku, which is probably about as indie as you could get. It's um, based on a self-published comic. Um, the film itself was crowdfunded, animated by about three people, um, and it was all rotoscoped, so they filmed it and then they drew over it. Um, and it's about an indie band um, trying to make it big in Japan. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I think it just sounds so organic and it's got this quite quirky art style. Um, and Sight and Sound named it as one of 50 essential anime films to check out from any period. So it was up there with all these Studio Ghibli films and everything. So it sounds like that will be, I suppose, quite a, a good success story in a way of starting this film from nothing and uh, Hopefully, it being a, a really engaging film. That sounds an interesting one, and uh, it's getting sight and sound. That's that's definitely no mean feat. Um, and there was another one on the list. Is that, is that right? Yeah, this one's uh, Tezuka's Barbara. Um, I don't really know anything about this film, and I've I've left it at that because it's premiering in the UK. I think next month. Uh, the reason that I've got my eyes on it is the names attached to it. Uh, Tezuka in the title, um, that's Osamu Tezuka, and he's often cited as the god of manga. Uh, he created Astro Boy, and he actually coined the term anime. Um, and this film's going to be based on one of his lesser-known books. Um, so I'm interested to see what kind of story that will be, because he has a lot of artistic range. I mean, it's directed by his son. Uh, so again, there'll be that kind of link now, like a real respect for the source material. Um, and this director, Tezuka's son, uh, has a fairly decent uh, filmography behind him, did quite a few 
quirky films, musicals, and things like that. Um, and then another bigger name attached to the film is Christopher Doyle as the cinematographer, and he's best known for collaborating with Wong Kar Wai on films like In the Mood for Love and Chunking Express, which I think both probably hold the title as the most beautifully shot films I've ever seen. So I think at the very least, it's going to be an interesting one and a quirky one, um, and it's going to be visually great, I'd imagine. So interested to see how that pans out. Yeah, they sound great. Um, yeah, it's a kind of area of cinema that I uh, I haven't kind of delved into, really. It's definitely something I want to do more often. Um, it's just a shame that my local cinema is kind of all about family films, and that's exclusively it, you know, your classic blockbuster family films. So I don't get to watch as wide a variety of stuff as I'd like. When it comes out, I have to kind of try and track it down later. You know that's neither here nor there. Um, now, what about you? What's what else have you got on your list for the year? Uh, okay. I think the the next the second film. Uh, I think I think I think released uh in the UK uh just recently is uh tenth of May I think according to IMDb. Uh, it's called Little Fish. Um, directed by Chad Hedigan. Um, it's kind of like, it's like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, uh, like the same kind of premise which deals with the idea of memory and um, loss, right? So basically the setting is uh, a pandemic, a kind of a pandemic, uh, which basically the, it involves this memory erasing uh, virus, right? So, um, and it felt so apt, I don't know, right? I mean, it's not the same kind of virus that we are dealing with, but uh, it feels, I don't know, um, very devastating. And, uh, you know, I think, and the way it kind of hits, right? You know, so it kind of um, reminds you, you know, of watching relatives who have like dementia or Alzheimer's kind of deal with, you know, having this disease, right? So um, so we have um, a couple, right? Um, Oh, what's the couple's name? Uh, Emma, yeah, Emma and Jude, right? So played by Olivia Cook and Jack O'Connell. So they, I think, uh, so they are they are living in fear in in that sense, right? Because they are kind of thinking, you know, when will be the moment where you know we get this virus, right? Uh, and then you know, uh, Jude gets it, right? And then um. And then, like, it just kind of tells us the day by day, right? And, you know, how we start to see him slowly kind of lose his memory, right? And that, you know, involves really all memory of her as well, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was it's a beautiful film, really beautiful film. And, um, like, every moment is just like this, uh, like, the framing of it is just uh, really, yeah, visually just very gripping. And... I don't know. Like I think I think has a person who is now old and a tad cynical with regard to life, right? And I mean I think uh considering the bleak times that we are kind of living in, it still felt, you know, even though they were kind of plunged in this into this really like bleak circumstance, like kind of like what we are living now. But at the same time it also felt really beautiful and exquisite and hopeful. You know, and I think uh, it's just a really great love story. Um, <laughs> I feel like um, 
like George, I have particular like you know genres that I love, right? And for me, I think it's really um, romance, but done like really, really well, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like the Killing of Two Lovers. This is one of the films that I was looking forward to, and I got a chance to watch it already. So yes, I am a satisfied film critic <laughs> yeah that's that's great and um yeah i'm definitely with you on the having certain genres that i always uh kind of fall back to especially over the past year um just always there like right sat at home at night netflix on what do i watch it's, it's a rom-com again isn't it let's be honest um <laughs> yes it's got me done um but yeah, um, my other films that I'm looking forward to, and one of them's already come out, but I'm going to give it a mention anyway. I did review it on Indivisible, uh, not on the other unnamed website. Um, but one of them <laughs> is uh, Shiva Baby, which hasn't come out here. Uh, it's been out elsewhere for, I think, a while now. But um, yeah, this, this website that um, was mentioned earlier that I'm not going to promote again, calls it a painfully hilarious film. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's what I've been kind of gleaning from all the reviews and stuff that I've seen from it. Is that it's kind of original, funny, or kind of sharp edge to it. Um, sounds like a really interesting premise. Definitely the, the kind of grounds for a, a real kind of edgy, modern, um, comedic film. Um, yeah, it just looks looks a blast. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think, like I say, I, I've been drifting back towards kind of comedy sphere over the last year, um, for obvious reasons, really. You know, some sort of escapism, and um, this one looks like it could be a nice new addition to the to the collection in that regard. Um, and then on the same kind of on the same kind of spectrum uh, in the comedy sense is Bale and Drew, which was released by Vibola Dirtly, which is a pretty big YouTube channel, uh, Twitch streamers, that sort of thing. They kickstarted their own film, and it's a short film, based on their YouTube series called Epic NPC Man, which I recommend checking out if you like stupid stuff that relates to RPG games and kind of gaming sphere. Um, and the short film was really good, actually, like a genuinely great short film in its own right. Um, it obviously makes references to the series, but it's got a lot for um, just anyone that wants to wrap up and watch it, really. It kind of treads well-worn narrative beats um, in the fantasy genre, which you kind of expect, but the performances are, are really good. The main character is basically a, a non-playable character in a game, so he has one line that he can say, um, and that's, that's basically all that the actor's given to work with, what he makes. Like, like Vin Diesel with his Oscar-worthy performances group. Uh, he makes the most of that one line. Um, yeah, I just think they, they really put, you can tell it's a kind of passion project. I mentioned this in the review. Um, and I love it when you can feel the, the kind of care and, and love that goes into these sort of things. And that's definitely one here. So just like to give that one a shout out, even though it's been out for, for a couple of weeks now. Um, Jamie mentioned in Kickstarter films, just got me thinking about it. And so I thought I'd give it a shout out. Um, they need the promotion. They've only got a couple of million views on it so far, so you know, um, we'll help them out there in that regard. But 
that is all the films, I believe. Um, hopefully a good year, I think, um, overall for independent smaller budget filmmaking. Um, I'm sure there'll be other kind of hidden gems that crop up as well um, along the way. But thank you guys for joining me for this one. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat about your films. Um, and yeah, it's great to see what, what kind of makes us tick and what, what we're looking forward to. So thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one.